नमस्कार वेलकम टू अनदर एपिसोड ऑफ एडिटोरियल एंड बिफोर आई बिगिन माय एडिटोरियल एज यूजुअल आई विल से प्लीज शेयर आवर कंटेंट यूट्यूब डज नॉट शेयर इट द वे इट शुड सो प्लीज शेयर आवर कंटेंट सो दैट मोर एंड मोर पीपल कैन गेट आवर कंटेंट नाउ दैट बीइंग सेड टुडे आई हैव अ वेरी important editorial for you because uh, we've been talking about the sri lankan economic crisis we've been talking about it for a long long time now what i'm trying to deep dive and understand today from dr arun kumar is what exactly happened in sri lanka i want to understand it in a very layman's term kya hua what happened to the economy it was doing quite okay till till quite recently actually not uh, not very recently but yeah it was doing quite okay has pandemic caused such a havoc in that country what exactly went wrong that's my topic of discussion today and uh, i'm privileged to have uh, dr arun kumar with me let's talk to him and figure out professor kumar thank you so much for joining us professor the first thing i want to know from a layman's perspective what went wrong with sri lanka so a number of things went wrong uh, one after the other uh for instance you know they shifted to organic farming without much preparation and therefore you know the food production went down and there was a food shortage then for instance now we have the pandemic and they are heavily dependent on a trade i mean tourism and because tourism collapsed so their foreign exchange earnings collapsed and they are a small economy so they need to import a lot of things so there's a huge number of shortages whether it's of diesel or whether it's of petrol or it's gas because they don't have the money to import that so even though india has given credit china has given credit they're still in trouble because a whole range of things have gone wrong inflation is short sky high people are standing in queues for you know 10 10 hours to get uh, you know gas cylinders filled uh, people are uh, uh, spending a lot of money uh, in just running around trying to find things and not getting them so the stores also the same problem so a number of things have gone wrong and i think you can trace it back to the fact that you know they cut taxes you know and when they cut taxes under imf's uh, regime then that meant the revenue that the government is getting was less so on the one hand you have less revenue more of fiscal deficit and then you have the problem of the pandemic and the shortage of uh, foreign exchange for buying you know, petrol diesel uh, energy for buying food etc so everything is conspired at the same time so in other words the government's policies have been uh, wrong and then on top of that you know there's corruption the people are accusing uh, the political class of corruption and corruption has been growing there so because of corruption people feel that the money that could have been made available for buying these things has been siphoned out so uh, therefore people are very angry and that's why huge protests are taking place uh, middle class has come out and is protesting very heavily there A lot of IAS officers here in uh, India has said that you know these freebies may also put India into trouble. So is that uh, is that true? No, you see, India's situation is completely different from that of Sri Lanka. India is a large economy. We have six hundred thirty billion dollars of foreign exchange reserves, whereas Sri Lanka had completely uh, lost its reserves. It was heavily in debt. it's not able to pay back the interest in fact uh, you know uh, some uh, money is due uh, very shortly which they will not be able to pay unless they get adjustment you know from the imf or india or china or some place so that's not the situation of india so saying that you know in india also the similar situation can take place because of freebies etc is not correct uh, let me also point out that actually you see in india the fiscal deficit of the states 
and these uh, people who are saying these things, the secretaries to government of India, they should realize that the debt of uh, as a share of GDP for India as a whole is much larger than what it is for the states. So states are limited. They can only borrow up to 3% of the uh, state domestic product, uh, whereas the center is borrowing 9%, 10% of the GDP. You know, so the, the, the debt of the government of India is much larger. So if there's any profligacy, it's the center rather than the states. You know, so therefore, you know, and also the, the states' names that have been taken by these secretaries are all opposition states, not UP, Correct. not Congress states. You know, so there seems to be a bit of politics uh, going on in um, all this. So in, in a way, I would say that what the secretaries have said is not quite correct. Uh, also, you see, I would like to point out that, you know, Sri Lanka went in for the, uh, you know, uh, World Bank, IMF, neoliberal policies in 1977. And soon after that, you know, what happened was the expenditure of social sectors came down and that's when the, you know, problem with the Tamils came up and th th that has been going on there for some time. In India also, we went in in 1991 for the new economic policies and the neoliberal paradigm and our inequalities have also increased. Now, when inequalities increase, what happens? The demand comes down and therefore the economy's rate of growth comes down. So in, in the Sri Lanka, also the rate of growth had come down earlier. Now, during the war the, that they had with the uh, Tamil uh, Tigers, that was a bad period for them. And yet the situation is not as bad as it is now. And now it is so bad because you see, you've uh, gone in for these uh, neoliberal packages, which implies that you give concessions to businesses rather than to the people, you know. So in India also, we know that, for instance, businesses get about five to six lakh crore of concessions every year, you know, which is much larger than the freebies that uh, uh, people talk about, which are being given to the poor people in the country. And the crisis that you have today, where, you know, because of the pandemic, large number of people lost employment, they lost income. Now, if you don't have income in your hand, then what will you do? You will not be able to survive and therefore there will be a social explosion. So these these giveaways or these freebies, uh, so-called, they are actually you know required to maintain the people and maintain demand. So the World Bank also recognized in 1980s that the uh, their, that their package will lead to the poor people becoming worse off, and therefore they were talking about the safety net. They said we need to have a safety net so that people don't fall below the safety net and people don't start uh, you know starving and so on. So the World Bank itself suggested that safety net is required. And that's why in the <clears throat> 2000s, we gave a right to a food, right to education, a midday meal scheme, loan waiver scheme, a rural employment guarantee scheme, etc. So these are all really safety net devices so that the poor don't become poorer. So that's also a problem with our policies that they are very unequal. They're very pro-business, but they're not pro-people. So when we give concessions to the uh, businesses, we say those are incentives to businesses to do well. Whereas when we give money to the poor people, then we say that these are giveaways. Whereas the, these so-called giveaways are much less than what the concessions to the businesses and the upper classes are. Not only that, the worst is that from 2015, the World Bank is saying that, look, the, the system is going to be very unequal. Large number of people will not have uh, employment and income because of the technology upgradation, etc. So we have to give them uh, money free in hand. So direct benefits, you know, a transfer. So they are now talking about not only freebies, but they're saying give money in the hand of people. Then only demand will be there. And when demand is there, that's when the economy will grow better. So, uh, so now the World Bank is saying, okay, not just uh, give education, health, etc. Give uh, money in the hand of people. And, you know, the rich in the world, like Warren Buffet, he said in 2011, 
that you know uh, i earn a billion dollars and i pay a lower tax rate than my secretary who earns a 1 lakh dollar and he said capitalism cannot survive at this rate and therefore he said the rich must be taxed more and then that money should be used you know to give to the uh, others and this was repeated uh, in uh, 2018 and recently about a month and a half back again the, and the, he was supported by the american rich the french rich the german rich and the italian rich saying that you know there has to be more equity otherwise the demand would not be there and the economy would not grow that well and i am reminded of henry ford henry ford when he produced the model t mass produced it you know he said look uh, what the point of mass producing unless my workers can buy my car so they must have a higher income otherwise they will not be able to buy uh, buy my car so mass production requires uh, incomes in the hand of people and if the system is not generating enough income in the people then you have to give uh, money in the hand of people either in the form of you know education health etc etc or in some other form so therefore you have to do this social welfare so you know some of these things may be called freebies but a lot of these are actually social welfare schemes whether it be in education whether it be health whether it be in rural employment generation and a similar scheme can be there for the urban employment generation so we must distinguish between all these things and i would finally say that yes uh, rather than give uh, laptops and la rather than give uh, uh, you know cycles etc uh, which are also useful for girls to go to school etc if we had used that money to invest in the economy in generating jobs then people would start earning money and then they would spend it the way they would like at the moment they are being given something whereas if they had income because they had employment uh, then they would spend it the way they see their uh, family need at the moment they are just given something if debt to gdp ratio you spoke about that a while ago debt to gdp ratio of uh, sri lanka is 95% is that the cause of the problem so you know uh, we must understand that you know you need to service the debt you need to pay and you need to pay interest on it so you must have income to do that you know so therefore for the government to pay that you need to have tax collection now the uh, the sri lankan government had cut taxes and therefore the revenue came down just like in india in 2019 we gave massive concession to corporate tax and therefore corporate tax collection came down and our fiscal deficit rose then if this kind of situation happens then we are in trouble but as long as you are collecting enough taxes to be able to pay the the uh, interest on it then the problem is less second is that if you collect enough money from direct taxes then you know you won't have to borrow so much so in india our uh, direct tax gdp ratio is only 5.5% and most even developing countries would have 9 to 10% and the advanced countries would have 20 to 25% you know so if you could collect uh, more money if the corruption is less if the black income generation is less you'd collect a lot more direct taxes so for instance in india if you could bring the black economy into the white you know uh, convert it into white then instead of 5.5% uh, you'd collect about 25% you know as a direct tax gdp ratio and then you know you you would not have to borrow and then your know, interest problem will not be there so this twin problem is that you are reducing direct tax uh, collection by cutting the rate and secondly because of corruption and black income generation you're not getting enough tax collection in direct taxes and therefore you begin to depend on indirect taxes like in india indirect tax gdp ratio is about 11.5% whereas direct tax gdp ratio is 5.5% so therefore if you collect more indirect taxes it falls on the poor people it leads to inflation it's regressive so therefore we need to shift away from indirect taxes to direct tax collection and then the problem will be sorted out 95% is what sri lanka's debt to uh, gdp ratio is okay. india is 83% 
United States is 130%, 130%. Yes, uh, Japan is 1250%. So, you know, let, let, let's see any company which works requires working capital and borrows for uh, setting up its factory, etc. So therefore, you know, the borrowing that may be there for any company may be three times or four times the uh, equity of the company. Okay. Now, as long as it's earning enough profit to be able to pay the interest on that, then there's no problem. It is the problem comes when you are not earning enough to pay the interest. Then it starts mounting. Then you become like a bonded laborer. A bonded laborer goes and borrows money for consumption, doesn't put it into some kind of asset which is earning income and therefore next year has to uh, borrow for paying back the interest and also for consumption and therefore it keeps mounting. So the problem comes when your earnings are not enough, when your revenue for the government is less than what is required. So in the Indian budget also, the largest single item in the revenue account is our interest payment. That means the interest payment is huge and therefore, you know, what is left for development is less. So we are borrowing for our current consumption. When you're borrowing for your current consumption, you're not going to earn. If the money that you're borrowing is used for subsidy, it is used for defense, it is used for these kind of things, then you're not going to earn any return on that. But if you're putting it into capital items, which are going to lead to returns for the economy, then that is a positive thing. So every company, every you know a corporate will borrow and produce on the basis of borrowing similarly the governments borrow and then they produce uh, they, they carry on their work on the basis of the money that they get for development purposes and non-development purposes social changes that have happened in sri lanka does that contribute to what is happening in sri lanka yes you know uh, what happens is when your relationships uh, deteriorate among the community and there are riots and there are bombings etc then the investment climate deteriorates and when the investment climate deteriorates, then the private sector would invest less. And because the government's resources are also uh, diminishing, therefore, you know, the government is also investing less. If the total investment in the economy comes down, then your rate of growth of the economy comes down and employment generation becomes less. When the employment generation becomes less, then your incomes are not there for the people to be able to consume more. And when the consumption is less, then again, it feeds back into a lower investment in the economy. So it becomes a vicious cycle in which you're not able to invest enough and you are therefore, you know, uh, see the rate of growth declining. What is going to be the impact on India? Okay, uh, Sri Lanka is a close neighbor and there are uh, groups in uh, Sri Lanka which have uh, ethnic affinity with our, uh, you know, states in the southern part of the country. Uh, so, uh, uh, Sri Lanka for our trade is very small, but nonetheless it is there. Uh, so if, if the Sri Lankan economy gets disturbed, then it will mean a setback to some of the economy in the uh, South Indian states. Also, there may be migration from Sri Lanka to Tamil Nadu and Kerala. Uh, that would put additional burden on the Indian economy. The Indian economy itself is suffering at the moment. Uh, so, you know, there'll be some, but Sri Lankan economy is very small compared to uh, the Indian economy. So whatever disturbance comes will not be that large. But yes, at the political and the social plane, there would be big impact because you know when the uh, the Tamil minorities in Sri Lanka they are in trouble, then in Tamil Nadu there'd be you know uh, a worry and there'd be cause for concern over there. So therefore, the social and political impact would be greater than perhaps the economic impact. Is uh, how fast do you think uh, Sri Lankan economy will recover? Uh, its recovery would depend on whether it's able to get enough uh, loans. 
from uh, others like IMF, India, China, etc., to be able to buy food, to be able to buy energy, and to set the economy back on track. Uh, then the inflation rate would also come down, uh, and that would help you know the people of the country, and they'd be you know uh, easing out of the pressures that have been there. Uh, but then, the, uh, politically, they would have to sort that out by having a national government or some kind of government of unity so that the political disturbances come down and the public begins to have faith. At the moment, the public has lost faith in the leadership and that's why there's huge protest. And uh, one former prime minister of Sri Lanka uh, uh, you know, uh, said it's like the Arab Spring. The middle classes are revolting against the corruption, against the mismanagement of the economy, etc. So confidence has to be restored. In the Sri Lankan economy, confidence has to be restored in the political leadership also. So that is the big task that is faced by the Sri Lankans. Uh, and their outsiders can help to the extent of give, giving credit so that they can buy the food and the, uh, the energy and the various other things that are needed by them. But like I said, how, how long do you think uh, will this process uh, take? This is an uncertain process because, you know, the political and the social upheaval that's going on, uh, that may take time for it to resolve until then the confidence in the Sri Lankan economy will not be restored. So if a national government of unity is formed, maybe that will help. But we cannot predict any of these things as to how long this will go on. Uh, the economic aspect, you know, as soon as they get enough loan and enough uh, money from outside, from IMF and others, uh, from India, China, etc., then, you know, they can begin to buy those things from outside and begin to supply. So that would help to ease the situation. But IMF would levy conditionalities and IMF conditionalities were part of the problem because IMF conditionalities are what led to the decline in expenditure on social sectors like education, health, etc., and also to tax cuts. So going to IMF also has costs associated with it, which again become political and economic. So if they can get uh, you know credit from say China, India, and some of the others, uh, that may be even better than uh, getting loan from the IMF with its conditionalities. But uh, you are sure that the economy will recover? If not today, no. tomorrow. If not no. tomorrow, day no. after. No, nobody can be sure about because the situation has gone spun out of control. Uh, all I'm saying is that these are necessary for so the what, restoration. What happens? What happens if the economy is not restored? So you know th these disturbances will continue. People will be in trouble. The poverty will increase. You know, uh, in, in Sri Lanka, poverty is already increased in Sri Lanka in the last uh, month or two, and that's why the protest is increasing. There, there are food shortages, uh, so there'll be hunger. Uh, and things like that. So, you know, if you look around yourself, you know, Afghanistan is in trouble, uh, Libya is in trouble, you know, so many countries like Yemen, uh, it's in trouble. Uh, so, you know, uh, e economies and countries can go down to very low level of equilibrium. You know, from a, a, a Sri Lankan economy was in a good state with its education standard, health standard, you know, social uh, standards were very high, much higher than India. Now, all that will deteriorate. And this situation can continue, as you can see, whether it be Iraq or Syria or so on, for a decade they are, they are having uh, problems, you know. So uh, it's not necessary that we, we sort all this out very quickly. It all will depend on the social and political conditions in the country, whether the confidence can be restored or not. And that depends on the you know, uh, Sri Lankan uh, people and the Sri Lankan politics. Professor Arun Kumar, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. And it's always enlightening to talk to you. Thank you so much. Before I end uh, this editorial, let me tell you the fact that social changes, social evils like 
communalism, like casteism, these are definitely going to have impact on the economy. It is definitely going to have impact on the economy. While a lot of people are talking about freebies and other things that uh, possibly some political parties are doing, well, all of that, the problem also is communalization. The problem is also casteism. These are problems, social problems can also cause major setback to the economy. And that's something that we should learn from Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka has been seeing a lot of social uh, problems, have been seeing a lot of uh, communal problem, and that's precisely what bought it to a certain extent. That is what bought it to the level it has. So this is also one lesson that we need to learn from Sri Lanka. Before I end my show, I would request you to subscribe to our channel. I request you to log on to www.hwnews.in and subscribe to our channel and till I see you next time. Namaskar.